Hi, this is Jim Lyon. You're listening to Viewpoint with me today, Jennifer Wilson. Hello, Jim. JJ, so nice to see you Thank always. Thank you. You too. And you know what, JJ, as we were coming to the studio today, I don't know if you ever think about this, but I thought, you know what, Lord, I'm just thankful I have a place to go. Yes. I've got, mm-hmm. I have a place to go where people want to talk to me, where I have things to do, I have responsibilities. I have a job. Mm. And so often we take just ordinary routines for granted. But I'm thankful today for that. Yes. But at the same time, I know that that's not everyone's no, gift today. It's not. Not everyone has a place to go. Not everyone has a job. And today, as we begin a new series here at Viewpoint JJ, I'm excited to kind of dive into the idea of God walking ahead of us and helping us know how to prepare our resume. Okay. A resume not just for a job, even though that's important and we'll make reference to that, but a resume for life. Mm. How do we get through life, through its ups and downs, through its tough parts and its easy parts? You know, we need to be building a resume. And we're going to do that by studying the book of James. Stay with us. JJ, have you ever had to make a resume to apply for a job? A couple of times. A couple of times. How <laughs> Not did you... as often as many people. But you've, you've had to do it. We all have to do it mm-hmm. sometime. When you approach that piece of paper and think, how am I going to make that resume? Really what do you think about It's really difficult because, number one, you try to think, gosh, I don't want to you know, toot my own horn or whatever. And then I don't know what words exactly to say to describe myself or what I've accomplished or... What's relevant? What's not yeah, relevant? Who cares? How, am I going, how am I going to sell myself? Right. It's Can kind someone of awkward. else do this, please? I That's need a publicist. Right. <laughs> That's right. But I think all of us fundamentally wrestle at some point with creating a resume and doing it right and having the confidence that what we've submitted is really on the mark. Yes. And uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of Monster.com. Yes, actually. <laughs> My kids think it's like a really cool it should be a really cool website. But. <laughs> <laughs> Even though they're probably not ready to access its services. But no, but Monster, they, it's the monster. It's the monster part. <laughs> but monster.com helps people find jobs. It's a kind yes. of job search service. And in fact, I know some people, and so do you, who work in that industry and do so well. But I was just looking at monster.com the other day and found that they had some recommendations just that they're putting out there for anybody okay. about things to avoid when you're making a resume. So what not to do. That's right. And sometimes that's a good frame of reference. Uh, when you're trying to find an answer to a question, sometimes the best answer is what not to do. Right. And so here are some of the things that Monster.com says you should avoid when preparing a resume. Okay. First of all, avoid typos and grammatical errors. Well, for sure. It seems like an obvious thing, but sometimes we're not careful when we look over what we've written, what we've typed in on the word processor. And that's so embarrassing. It can be very difficult. Oh my gosh. When you see it after you've already handed it in. (laughs) So maybe getting someone else to help proof your resume, a fresh set of eyes can be a help. You know, as we're studying the book of James, though, one of the things that makes it a standout in the New Testament is it's written in a very high style of Greek. It is flawless Hmm. insofar as Greek scholars say in its content and its punctuation, its uh, phraseology, even the vocabulary. And it's a book that has been written with a lot of intentionality and care. Somebody who was putting the pen to the page, assembling this material, somebody knew what they were doing and were doing it carefully to communicate with clarity. Every resume needs to have that same kind Mm -hmm. of uh, intentionality. What's the second thing that Monster.com says we should avoid in a resume? It says lack of specifics. So for instance, I could say, I worked in a restaurant. 
Yes. Well, thank you, but that doesn't tell us anything specific. Well, about it's what different than working did at an auto shop. Right. How could I restate that? Well, you'd have to not only list the duties that you did at that restaurant, but the the accomplishment, like how you did that job. Oh, so I actually interviewed people to work at the restaurant and hired 20 people and developed a team. Yes. See, that's much more specific, isn't it? Of course, if I didn't do any of those things, I actually just delivered plates to a table. But hey, I did it and was valued as one of the best servers in the place. Yes, I received this award. That's right. And so be specific when you're writing in your resume. Help people understand a little bit of what is the meat on the bone of what you've done. And there's another third thing that they say we should always avoid, and that's being a kind of one-size-fits-all. Don't create a resume for every possible job in the world. Tailor it for what you're applying for. It's really good. You know, they, they don't say it here on Monster.com's page, but I know from my training that you, you, you put a goal at the top of your resume. Like, this is you know, why I'm applying for this job. This is my short 10-word sentence that says, this is a goal that I have, and it really is tailored toward that specific position. And it helps the person reading the resume to believe that you're speaking to them Mm -hmm. and not just to a thousand other people also. And when we come to the scripture and we think about a resume for life, it does exactly that. It speaks specifically to our points of need. And the book of James, which will be our subject today, James speaks with great precision right into the moment. It's very direct. It's very straightforward. Sometimes it puts people off because it is so blunt. And yet it's very, very specific. And it's tailored to people in need, people who are suffering, who are struggling in a tough spot, who are being economically oppressed. That was the first audience. And we've chosen to study James today because we live in a world where there's a lot of economic distress. And as we talk about resumes, even now, JJ, I know there are people listening to us who are wondering, what do I do to go forward to find a job? Mm -hmm. These are just some ideas. When we come back, let's unfold the book of James. And actually, James is helping us find a job in life, so to speak, and how to cope with life, how to stare it down, overcome it, and achieve success. The book of James, in a way, helps us prepare resumes for life. It helps us understand what we should strive for, what we should acknowledge, what we should reach to be, and maybe how to tell our story a little bit. But as we begin studying the book of James, JJ, who do you think that James guy really was? In the list of like the 12 disciples, there are a couple of Jameses listed. This is not that one. I believe this is James, the brother of Jesus. There's famously in the list of the 12 disciples, James, the son of Zebedee, Mm -hmm. who has a brother named John. There's also a lesser known of the 12 named James, the son of Alphaeus. But we don't think it is either of these Mm -hmm. two from the band of 12 disciples, as you say, JJ. Almost all the evidence suggests, in fact, all of the evidence suggests that this is James, who was the half-brother of Jesus. We say half-brother because We believe that Jesus was born to Mary, and Joseph was a kind of stepfather, but not actually his physical father. Mm -hmm. But Joseph and Mary were married, and the scripture tells us that they had other children. And Joseph had a son named James, and we think it's this guy. Mm -hmm. And when you think about James, the half-brother of Jesus, and for all intents and purposes, growing up as the full brother of Jesus, think about what that was like. (laughs) (laughs) Well, my brother Jesus... (laughs) Gets straight A's. I'd love to blame Jesus, but 
I can. That's right. I mean, <laughs> I'm sure there were some annoying moments when, when they just wanted Jesus to mess up. I mean, doesn't every sibling? You know, sibling... but if Jesus was fully human, you know, <laughs> come on. <laughs> well, but were there any shoving matches? Would, were there any running around the house? You know, he took my this or that. We don't really know, but sometimes we need to get down to the real nitty-gritty of life to appreciate Jesus was the Son of God as well as the Son of Man. He's fully divine, but also fully human, Mm -hmm. and he was raised up in a house that had a dad and a mom and siblings, and there were all kinds of controversies and stretching moments. That's just the human dynamic. Jesus walked through them, so did James. Mm -hmm. But maybe that history also helps us understand why James was not a believer at first, it seems. He was one of the skeptics until after the resurrection. And in 1 Corinthians, we read that Jesus, in his resurrection body, actually appeared to his half-brother James. And it seems then that James became a believer. Yeah, he introduces himself in this letter as a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he's, he's transferred his identity from brother, familial member to... Master. The, yes. Lord. He's the lordship of, of Jesus. And this James, as he did that, also apparently was a person of, of some ability because mm-hmm. he rises to leadership. Yes. And I don't think he rose to leadership just on the tales of his famous brother. He rose to leadership, I'm certain, because God raised him up mm-hmm. to great things. And he began to be the leader of the church in Jerusalem. And we can read in other parts of the New Testament points of reference where he is mentioned. And often speaking last, which suggests he was the most important voice. He was the one to whom others deferred. James, the half-brother of Jesus, rises up and becomes the leader of the church in Jerusalem. Somehow he had a resume. Yeah. He had a resume of some things that he probably wished he did not have to write down in the days when he opposed Jesus and wondered if he'd lost his mind, for instance. We have a famous story in the New Testament where the mother of Jesus with some of his siblings come forward and think, you're out of your mind, to the place where he understands Jesus is the Messiah, to now he's the leader of the Lord's people in the city of Jerusalem, and he's writing. Now, this book of James, we're not sure how it was actually constructed. Is it a collection of the teachings of James over time? Did he write down at a single sitting all of these thoughts? That's not exactly clear, but what is clear? is that he writes with the power of the Holy Spirit. And he's writing to a people probably in about the year 50 AD, a season when the Christians, the followers of Jesus, were under intense pressure. They weren't yet necessarily being martyred for their faith by the Romans, as would happen later in the century. But they were under severe persecution just the same, and economic oppression, hard to keep jobs, hard to keep in business, because they were being set aside, they were being marked as outliers, as people who weren't in the mainstream, and they paid a price for it. As we open up this book, JJ, let's read the first 12 verses. How about if you read the first six, and I'll take it to verse 12. This letter is from James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's written to Jewish Christians scattered among the nations. Greetings. Dear brothers and sisters, whenever trouble comes your way, let it be an opportunity for joy. For when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be strong in character and ready for anything. If you need wisdom, if you want to know what God wants you to do, ask him, and he will gladly tell you. He will not resent your asking. But when you ask him, be sure that you really expect him to answer. 
for a doubtful mind is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. This is verse 7. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. Believers who are poor have something to boast about, for God has honored them. And those who are rich should boast that God has humbled them. They will fade away like a little flower in the field. The hot sun rises and the grass withers. The little flower droops and falls, and its beauty fades away. In the same way, the rich will fade away with all their achievements. Verse 12. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. There's so much just in this introduction Mm -hmm. to the letter. We have James identifying himself. We have his allegiance to Jesus put right up on the front of the table. We have his audience addressed, the people of God spread throughout the nations. We have an acknowledgement that life isn't easy, that sometimes it can be confusing, sometimes it can be troublesome, sometimes we're not sure which way to turn. And Before we get to the core of this text, J.J., don't you think it's extraordinary that James makes this promise, and I think it's born out of his own journey. If you want wisdom, if you want to know what to do, if if you really are trying to figure out what to do next, what step to take, and in the context of this conversation, maybe what job for which to apply, how to prepare myself for vocation, where should I be in life, what should I do? If you really want wisdom, ask believing. Yeah. Just ask God. Just say, Lord, I need help. I need direction. I need clarity. And the promise is here that you will receive that. But there's a caveat, isn't there? When you ask the question, you have to... Expect that he will answer. Exactly. You can't just ask and say, well, I'm not really sure. No, I'm going to throw all of my eggs into this basket, believing that God is going to give me an answer. And someone said once that you have to to change expectation into anticipation, that you not only expect God to answer, but you're anticipating that he will. That's absolutely on the mark. Because if you do not expect an answer, it's unlikely that you'll see it when it comes. And the scripture also tells us here, James says, if you're a house divided, if you're kind of divided between your faith in God and your faith in the ways of this world, if your allegiance is somehow stretched so that's like a rubber band going to snap, you partly want to do God's deal, but you're not sure you want to give your whole self to that because what if it doesn't work? So I'm going to keep some feet grounded here in the wisdom of this world. You're not going to find yourself being honored with the wisdom of God. Mm -hmm. But if you throw everything into your prayer and then allow yourself to stand fast, watching for the answer, it will come. And I want to encourage everyone listening today, if you're at a juncture in life, if you're at an intersection where you're not sure what to do, do this. Ask God for wisdom. Ask him for specific clarity. Make your request specific. Should I apply for this job or not? And then watch for his answer, knowing it will come. And then when you get that answer, move on it. Don't just wonder, was that really an answer? No, move on it. And the Lord will bless you and propel you forward as you do so. James also says something here about wealth and poverty, and and I think he acknowledges that we all are tempted sometimes to think that if we had material wealth, well, then everything will be settled. Yeah. But it's not so. No, and I think a lot of times we go, well, how much will I make in that job? Don't let a dollar amount determine the fit, because sometimes it's not what you make dollar-wise, 
it's the fit for your character, for where God has for you. And I, I, I really feel that way about my life, uh, that, that the Lord has provided these positions for me that maybe in the world's eyes didn't have that great big of a paycheck, but it's exactly what I was supposed to be doing at that time. If you're making a job application based on money alone, you will not be fulfilled or satisfied. No. You have to think about what you're doing and the passion of your heart and the God-given yes. purposes in your life. And again, when you're looking for wisdom, Lord, what did you create me to do? What are my passions? What do you want me to do? If you really ask him, he will tell you. And you may be astonished about how doors open and you find yourself in a place where maybe the pay isn't what you might have had in another vocation, but where the fulfillment, the satisfaction, the feeling of being an instrument in heaven's hand all comes to pass. In this verse, chapter 1, verse 12 of James, he says, God blesses the people who patiently endure testing. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. It's all about persevering, isn't it? Yes. It's about not giving up and don't surrender to despair, even if in the moment things look pretty dim. And Jim, I don't think persevering is shutting our eyes, clenching our fists, crossing our arms, and just shutting out the rest of the world. I think persevering is eyes open, head up, walking. That's persevering. And looking for the reward. Yeah. And part of this verse bases our ability to persevere, to stand fast, mm -hmm. with the hope that there is something good waiting for us. And if you in life ever surrender that hope, if you ever find yourself in a moment where you think, there's nothing good left, I have nothing to which I can look forward, that kind of despair will suck life and energy out of you. And honestly, if you're applying for a job, that will not enhance your cause. It's people who have a sense that somehow, some way, even if I can't put my finger on it right now, there is something good waiting for me. And that is a valid hope if your heart is surrendered into the hand of God. If you're surrendered into the following of Jesus, you absolutely have better days ahead. And that hope is what helps you persevere and stand fast when one more job application is turned down or one more door is closed. You know, Jim, I chose to ride the city bus once and just take a trip around town and talk to people about what they felt were some of the, the main needs or issues and concerns in our community. And every single person that I talked to maybe listed three or four things, but the number one thing that they always talked about was jobs. We need a job. I need a job, one guy said. I haven't been able to get a job. Another woman said, we need more jobs. Uh, one other guy said, our youth need training to be able to have jobs. You know, everything was centered around jobs. And JJ, jobs do matter. It's not a surprise that people would identify that because at the core of our communities, of our ordinary lives, are our vocations, the capacity to provide for ourselves and those we love. And we know that we live in a time when jobs are not as easy to come by as they might have once been, and that many people are discouraged because they haven't been able to find employment that's able to sustain them and their families. But today we want you to take a tip from James, that you need to first know that if you surrender your life to God, he will make a way to bring you a better day. 
and that with that hope you can persevere and you can be blessed even as you knock on doors and submit resumes and that God can give you wisdom about where to turn and what to pursue if you will with faith ask him for direction and anticipate, expect his answer. We want you to be encouraged, not discouraged. Don't surrender. Don't throw up your hands. Don't fall by the wayside and imagine that your days are numbered. No. As long as God gives you a breath of life, he will have something for you to do. And if you're looking for employment, he has a way to help you go forward. Wherever you are in life today, whatever your circumstance, we hope that you'll take a moment with us and just pray and tell God what you need. Surrender your life into his hand and ask for his direction. You can do it with us right now. Our Father, today we are so thankful that you know each of us by name. You know where we've been and where we might go. We know, Lord, that many people listening to us today are in desperate straits, looking for work and not being able to find just the right fit or match. We know, Lord, that it's discouraging sometimes when you knock on doors and all remain closed. And we know there are people who aren't just looking for work, but who may have other obstacles or challenges in life right now who are discouraged. And we thank you for the word of the New Testament from the book of James. And we thank you, Lord, that we have something to which we can look forward. Lord, help us each one to surrender our hearts, our futures into your hands. We admit, Lord, that by ourselves we're not able. We ask for your forgiveness for our failures, and we ask for a new start. We pray that you'll walk alongside, and that especially for those who are looking for work today, that you will encourage them and give them hope that there is just the right position waiting for them as they trust you. And Lord, we pray specifically for direction, that you will show us um, where to apply, um, the kinds of things to present about ourselves and, and the gifts and abilities and that you've given us, Lord. And I pray that those listening that, that need to know where to go and what to do would um, always come to you first, Lord, and that you would be very clear about um, what doors you're opening and, and what, what doors you're closing. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayer today, and we look forward to your answer. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like to know more about this God who can come alongside, who loves you and can also walk ahead of you, just give us a call. Dial this number 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439. We're right by the phone, and we're always glad to hear from you. You can also find us on the internet at cbhviewpoint.org. You can read there about the Viewpoint Ministry. You can send us an email. Share with us your questions, your stories about how God is leading and directing you. Or at the last, just write me a letter. Address it to Jim Lyon, Viewpoint, Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana, 46018, USA. But by whatever method you choose, by phone, by email, or by post, let us hear from you this week. JJ, thanks so much for walking into James with us. My pleasure. And we thank you for tuning in. We hope you'll join us again next week as we continue to unpack this magnificent work, the book of James in the New Testament, as we think about how to create our resume, not just for a job, but for life. For all of us at the Viewpoint team, this is Jim Lyon. Stay tuned.